Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the dreaded question. This time, coming at you from Chicago, Illinois. While I was away on contract, I took a day trip up to Chicago with former guest Corey John Hafner and decided to take the opportunity to record an episode with one of my dear friends from college, Colin Funk. Colin and I were in the same class at Millican University, and since college, he's been living in Chicago, where he's been an actor, a teacher, a real estate agent, an amazing knitter, a Dungeons and Dragons expert, you name it, he's done it. He's also recently engaged to his wonderful fiance, Pavi, which has been one of many significant life changes he's made recently. So please enjoy Colin Funk's answer to the dreaded question. So, Colin Funk, what are you up to? Oh, so many things. First, I am getting married. I guess I should say that. Yay! Congratulations! Thank you. I'm very excited, but also it's stressful planning a wedding. It is stressful. But it's also fun. It's also fun to go see venues and think about the food and the outfits. (laughs) A lot of fun stuff. Um, It is. But it's also, it feels like a job right now. Yes, a job for which not only are you not getting paid, but you're going to pay a lot of money. A lot of it, yes. Uh Uh-huh. So that's a lot of what I'm doing right now, and it's very exciting. I'm very happy about that. The other thing that I'm really excited about is I have my application in for grad school. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. so exciting. This I, is literally breaking news for me right now. So this is huge. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I'm applying to go back to school for childhood development. Amazing. Um, because I've been working with kids so much and it seems exciting. Like it seems like the yeah. when I think about that field and when I've talked to people about that field, it has gotten me excited about learning new information and looking at new directions for my life to go in yeah in a in a field that I feel is um important work and yeah and just actually interesting for me to to learn about yeah so talk a little bit about the path that's led you here what you've sure. been doing and where this came from yeah so i mean obviously i went to school for theater i was a theater major and right out of school working in chicago i was you know, working in the Chicago theater scene and doing some odd jobs. And uh, I fell into nannying because I had worked with kids a lot of my life. I had I have a bunch of cousins that I babysat all through high school. And so nannying was something that some friends were doing and mm-hmm. an easy thing to be like, oh, great. This will be my, my day job. Mm-hmm. I like working with kids. It'll be great. It'll be yeah. very chill. And I did. And I did that for, you know, about three years. And at the end of the three years... I was approached by a mutual friend who was starting this business called Stages Performing Arts. Um, but it's these music classes for babies um, based on a program out of New York that takes musicals and um, condenses them. And it's like half performance and half developmentally appropriate play for yeah. uh, zero to three-year-olds. So cute. There's there's a couple different age group, uh, ranges that we work with, but zero to three is... Is kind of like how like where I have fallen most into. Like right. that's kind of like my specialty, especially within those classes. And so I've been doing that for two and a half years now. And the woman who runs the program is really great. And she went to um, Erickson Institute, which is the program that I've applied to get into. Cool. Um, and I've known other people. Like they talk very highly about it. And the more and more I was talking about the program and like the things we learned and. Um, the things that are 
really interesting about the classes that I teach, the more and more I talked to both of them about those things, the more and more I'm like, at first it was like, I'd love to learn more. Um, uh, Emily, who runs uh, stages, she has been nice enough to send me to, to workshops through there to like help cool. me um, just learn more about how well, things that could help me in, in, in the classroom and teaching right. in general. And I just like really fell in love with uh, the subject material really fast, and mm-hmm. it made that work that I was doing feel more... It, there was a, a direct connection to what I was doing and why it was making a difference. Right. And the more I learned about it, the more I could see that it was actually happening in, like, real yeah. time. Like, with real people. I mean, like, especially in the zero to three age range, there's so much growth that happens so quickly. So quickly. They grow and change so much. So much. They're, like, literally from a blob that's, like, barely a human yet into... <laughs> a blob. Yeah. Into it's true, though. The, it's you see the, true. like... It's like almost like the humanity bring... start to arrive in them, which is, like, such a weird thing to yeah. say, but they start to look more like, oh, yeah, you're a human. You're going right. to grow to be an adult someday. And sometimes we have them for multiple years in a row, and they start not even being awake at any point during class yeah. to, like, having a conversation with me by the end of class, like, in this short amount of time. And um, I was, like, getting really excited to see the things that we were doing in class and how those were helping them get to those places. Totally. Yeah, you were seeing like a direct effect that these classes were having on their growth. Exactly. That's cool. And I was doing it in a way that I was using the skills that I had learned. Like we, I mean, class, half of class is us doing like a mini version of a script. Right. And singing songs. Right. Which is like literally the degree that you had to begin with. Right. We've talked about, about this a lot on the show. I feel like this idea of kind of looking back and realizing that all the skills you've been developing, all the things that you've been doing have been leading to this ultimate sort of, I guess, result or the purpose or next step that you never could have necessarily known for yourself. Right. And I feel like I've heard that a lot before. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people like when choosing colleges, they're like, oh, just pick something that you're interested in. You're learning applicable skills Mm -hmm. in a lot of different places. And I've always like, heard it and understood it and been like, yeah, I guess. Right. Um, and I, I understand it in a more vague sense of the idea. Like, right. oh, yeah, you, you know, you're working hard and you're right. learning personal skills. But mm-hmm. this is a way, like, these classes especially and following from those classes has shown me that I could use the actual physical skills that I learned in those classes and those those things, like, directly apply. Yeah to what I was doing in the In a moment. very literal and sense. Yes. It makes that education feel more valuable. Yeah. Where I'm like, I, you know, I've gotten down on myself before being like, you know, I might not, you know, be a performer forever. I might not mm-hmm. even be an artist forever. Part of that fear of leaving the arts is I just spent four years of time and a lot of money yeah. to do that. And... You know, anytime anyone asked me what my goals were in college, I think the main answer was I want to support myself just with art. Yes. Because otherwise I felt like the the degree wasn't worth it. Like, if I'm not working in the arts, why did I get this degree? Right. We need a yes. return on the investment. It's a huge investment right. of time and, and energy. But are you familiar with Seth Godin? He's an author and just, like, general smart person and has a podcast called Kimbo. He, and I believe we've mentioned this on the show before, he has spoken a lot about the idea of ignoring sunk costs. 
And the way that my coach, Jen Waldman, has helped interpret this idea is like thinking, I don't know if this came from Jen or Seth, but thinking of these investments as a gift from your past self. So if my past self was like, here's a headshot, it doesn't look like you, everyone's going to hate it, and it's not going to get you any appointments, would you like it? You would say no. No, of course not. But when you're thinking of it, oh, but like I already spent $1,000 on that, plus the cost of printing it, suddenly that becomes a grayer area. You know what I mean? And so I think... You know, I think that that happens for people in the arts with their degree. If Uh they start to have interest in something else, they think, oh, but, you know, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm still paying off this degree that I got in the arts. How can I turn my back on it now? And there are a lot of reasons to continue forward. But unfortunately, I don't think that's one of them. And I think what's so great about the situation you're in is you're recognizing that and you're moving forward in a direction that interests you, but is still really in alignment. Yeah, it doesn't feel... I'm lucky in that way. And Mm -hmm. I think, like, it is harder to move on without, like, that kind of, like, the direct connection. But it, it also gives me a point of departure where I feel... If I were to totally drop the artistic element from what I'm doing, mm-hmm. if when I come out the other side of grad school and I, I'm not like a music slash theater teacher right. directly, if I am working with children in another capacity, yeah. I think I will still feel really fulfilled with both the artistic and the, the development side of those things. I, I feel like it, it gives me permission to take where I am right now and move in whatever direction I want. Yeah, it's like... Theater and the arts are already a tool in your tool belt that you can yes. pull out at any time. It's right. not you're not throwing it on the ground and leaving it behind. Like it's still yeah. there. You're just adding a lot more. Where now that can be one shade of all of the things that you do. Yes, like one of the the branches of of, of interests in the the childhood development world is working in child life at a hospital, where mm. it's like working with. Um, kids in a hospital wing, basically yeah. trying to normalize their experience as much as possible. Right. And that I've met with a hospital and I, I may start volunteering with them at some point. It's a long process to volunteer at a hospital, I found out. Wow, I didn't um, know that. But, like, I, you know, tour this facility and, you know, the the room that they have that's a, the specific, like, child life room, like, doctors are not allowed in it. They want it to be, like, a safe space. Nice. It's basically, like, a big craft room. Yeah. You know, it's all art supplies. There's, like, a music wall. And arts is a big part of how you normalize, yeah, this environment for the children. Yeah. Like, again, like, I'm coming in with this. I'm using art to, you know, aid with childhood development currently. Like, that's yeah. that's a skill that I just have developed already. Yeah. And so, yeah, being in the place where I am right now, I feel like it gives me like a new starting point. I'm like, totally. this is my skill set. It's using arts in development. And so I can work in any field in development and I will bring the arts with me. Yeah, that's already a part of you. That's, right. that's already going to be the lens through which you see the world. Right. And you can't really drop that. You can't really take that off. And I haven't even really thought about it like that before, like yeah. right now, before like just like talking this through it. But, um, but yeah, it does because I've been feeling really good about like, cause I've chosen not to be auditioning. Like sure. I haven't auditioned in o- over six months. Yeah. And the last thing I auditioned for, I was offered and turned down. I was like, you know what? This is not what's important in my life right now. Wow. Um, this performance and it's a theater company I really love to work with and, was it was a hard decision in that I'm like I would love the show I'd love the people involved um, right. I think it would be fulfilling in that but like I felt like Seth 
when I turned it down, the excitement of the opportunity, because I was considering, you know, grad school and looking into this other path for me at the time, that opportunity excited me so much that it, I, I knew immediately, like, that I was ready to just, like, take a break. But sometimes I think that you need that almost, that almost gives you permission to, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I feel like nothing clarifies a decision more when you think you know what you want, and then uh-huh. it's offered to you. Yeah. And then suddenly the clarity of, like, yes. oh, I don't actually want that. Right. What a gift that was for you. And I'm so glad for you that you were able to recognize that and then choose not to do it. Right. Because someone else got to do it. And it was so what they needed. I know the person who... Oh, you do? What a special thing. Yeah, it was so lovely. Because we, I mean, like, we're friends and we're like, oh, maybe we'll do the show together. And he's like, well, I didn't get the offer. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to take the offer. And they gave the offer to him. And I was like... That's so lovely. That's I was so happy yeah. that that happened, and that made me like even more excited. Yeah, because um, it makes it a beautiful thing for both of you. Yeah. A really clarifying moment. That's really cool. It was lovely. That was when I noticed that I had been doing that for so long, being like, yeah. I didn't really want those other things. Yeah. I just wanted some sort of validation. Yeah. And because, like, of course, there's an extent to which you do love doing it. Like, of course. It, oh, yes. You know, like, that makes it harder to kind of piece apart because you're almost like blinded by the enjoyment that you have of it. Absolutely. But something that I think about a lot is I wonder if, if this career were easier (laughs) and if yeses were easier to come by, Uh I wonder how many people would realize faster that this isn't, that there's more to them than being a performer or there's just, there's just something else that they want either instead or also like either way, either way. Because I think when when you feel like you're moving towards a goal and you don't feel like you've fulfilled it yet, it's really hard to allow yourself the freedom to do something else either as well or instead. Yes. So sometimes I wonder like if, if we could all have that level of achievement that we think that we want sooner, mm-hmm. where would people go and like what great things might people do because they had that sense of fulfillment? Right. You know? Yeah, because the chase is also mm-hmm. exciting and yeah. appealing in its own way. Yeah. And once you take that element out of it, it, it does. It clarifies things. Yeah. Because I did, I liked auditioning. I like auditioning. Oh, wow. I do. Lucky I like you. Not all the time. I don't love <laughs> scheduling it, but um, right. sometimes I liked the audition process more than the, wow. the, um, the actual process. Sometimes. Not all the time. Sure. I've had a lot of beautiful experiences but um but that's just how much you kind of like I right and I liked I liked the pursuit I liked the Mm -hmm. um the stamp of approval that comes with getting something yeah I love performing and I will always perform as much as I can right like when me and Pavi decided to announce our engagement not but like celebrate our engagement we we threw a cabaret we we just like sang a bunch of songs and it was like a way to, like, get people to come and celebrate with us, but also, like, an excuse because it's been a while since I've formally performed. Right. Because, obviously, that's part of what I love doing. And what better reason, and it just goes to show that you don't need some, like, formal... Anyone can sing. Anyone can perform. Yeah. It doesn't even There's have no to be good. Came, right. You know, it's just, like, it's not about that. It's about the exactly. love of it and just doing yes. it and, like... 
all the more reason that like, yeah, if you're not performing anymore or even, yeah, if you ended up completely somehow outside of the arts and mm-hmm. you're teaching at like, let's say an elementary school or, you know, whatever sure. you would do with your degree, why can't you have a cabaret to celebrate your, you know, anniversary of marriage? Why can't you have, you know. I probably will. You, you know, probably, like <laughs> It seems right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you've started to touch on this, but mm-hmm. I want to go a little bit deeper. Like, how has this transition been for you? It seems like you had a moment of clarity where uh-huh. you're like, wow, okay, now I'm understanding where my priorities might lie. But then the reality of it all and deciding what you were going to do and the application process and all of that, how has that been? Has it been like a sense of relief or difficult? It, and mostly it's been exciting. Yeah. When I took the, the the stress away from, you know, trying to like plan and squeeze things in is, you know, like living the gig life, mm-hmm. teaching classes. You know, I always, I'm also a real estate agent. I'm also, yeah. you've I'm always also a been server. a jack of all trades. Yes. I so like. I do, I do as much as I can all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets exhausting just that lifestyle of not just doing the jobs, but scheduling the jobs and balancing the jobs. And yeah. looking into grad school was a really great. I mean, it, it was clear that I was excited and I wanted to do that work and squeeze right. it in. Just like, you know, finding the time to plan a wedding is, like, really exciting and right. interesting for me. And then knowing that I didn't have to go to rehearsal for five hours that night, yeah. I was like, that that's, that was exciting. That felt yeah. really rejuvenating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and part of me is, like, I get really excited and I... Like want to do new things like right now, and so I like I like try to slow myself down. I was like, okay, let me do some research. Like, right. what are these programs I want to do? Um, do I really want to focus on bulking up my expertise in what I'm doing right now? Do I want to continue, you know, teaching music and right. like, really like focusing on that? And I, I think I decided in the end that grad school was a really great place to explore a lot of options. And, right. And so again, like taking every every place where I could take off pressure like, made me more and more excited. Yeah. It's a new, exciting adventure that I that I get to. I get to learn new things, and I get to explore different venues. I get to explore the possibility of maybe only having one job in the future. Yeah. That, you know, has a salary what and would benefits that be like? <laughs> in a field that I am, like, stoked about. Right. And that, and I have not felt about, felt that about any one career. I mean, like, I think if I wanted to focus, say, on real estate full-time, I could. I could. There's enough work, but that work has not and does not excite me enough to put in the time and the the hours to really build that business. So it's been kind of like a side thing, and especially since doing those classes, I would have had to pull back from working with kids, and that was... Right. And I never made that choice because that was... uh, I didn't want to. Yeah. It's been so valuable for you. and Right. Yeah. And so the idea that I could use that and the things that were like, well, I enjoy this. Yeah. As well, I can use that to like really cut down on all the, the, the fluff. Yeah. And cut down on the gig lifestyle and... Yeah. Which wears on you. It does. It does. It does. And I, you know, I did it for so long and it really worked really well for me for so long. And I, I think it's a great option for so many people and it's it's nice that that's an option Mm -hmm. in today's world yeah you're right this is like a the time for freelancers for sure yeah and that's i think that's lovely and it just i'm also excited to try not doing that yes so yeah it sounds to me like what you're kind of experiencing is something that i've thought about so much for the past like six to eight months which is this concept of hustle versus flow 
Mm, okay. So, like, you know, I think with this freelancer mindset <laughs> and lifestyle that so many of us have and that I feel like our society really supports right now is this idea of hustle. Yeah. You got to yeah. hustle. You got to pound the pavement. You yes. got to, like, oh, she or he hustles harder than anybody I know. Like, how many times have you heard people say that? Oh, yeah, all the time. And I've never totally responded to the word flow or the expression, like, go with the flow. It's, okay. like, very, like, yeah. cowabunga hang time <laughs> for me. Yes. Not totally my, like, personality type. Mm-hmm. Until I heard it compared to hustle. So hustle versus flow. And okay. suddenly the concept made sense to me. Hustling, to me, the image that I get is kind of, like, throwing elbows, fighting through, like, yeah, against yeah. all odds, kind of going against the grain, uh-huh. very difficult. And flow, mm-hmm. going with the flow, is literally, like, taking the energy and momentum of the universe and going with it. Allowing everything in nature to help you move forward. Yes. Rather than Instead swimming of the upstream. Combative. Yes. You're not working against it to right. get things done. Yes. You're actually using it to. Yes. And I think flow is when you yeah, are in alignment. Yeah. I think flow is you might actually be working harder than when you're hustling. You might be doing more yeah. than when you're hustling, but it feels easier because. Everything is in alignment with you. Everything is kind right. of helping that happen. Have you ever felt that? Right. That kind of like where everything starts to feel like kismet and you're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that really where felt meant to be. This is going like well. you're riding momentum and yes. like, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel, do you like resonate with that being some of the shift that you've had? Because that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like yes. previously your like kind of gig mentality, as I think you called it, was right. very hustle. right. Yeah, because you still have a lot going on now. Oh yeah, oh totally. <laughs> and not that it's not tiring and exhausting, but um, it feels guided, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it okay. feels like I'm not like, like you said, I'm not like fighting the stream. I'm not like I need this thing that's upstream, so I have to like claw my way through it. I'm like, oh, there's that thing that I want. There's I could get it at the other side of the stream. I can do all the things that I'm doing and ride it instead of yeah. Yeah, I suppose with hustling, it's like it feels like. I am trying really hard, and hopefully maybe I'll get it one day. And mm-hmm. flowing is like, well, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm just going in that direction. Right. I'm not, like, worried about whether or not... The world I'm is helping get me get there, yeah. you know? And yeah, it might sound really a little, sense. like, hippy-dippy, but I think we've all felt it at yeah. some point. When you're just, like, really in alignment and riding that wave. just a little bit of hippy-dippy. I think we all do. Just a little bit. But I think, like, really reframing that and understanding... Because I also never really got hustle. Well, I think... I responded to to hustle because it felt like was something that I have always valued is like work ethic. Mm-hmm. That's what like active. If you're like, if yeah. you're hustling, then you have good work ethic. Yeah. But when you have flow, you also have good work ethic. Yeah, it can sound the, passive. Yes, but it's that's not the point. That's it not doesn't the point. like from right. how you're explaining it. That's yeah. That it's eye opening. Like, yeah. Because I've never considered it like that. Yeah. But that really, yeah, that was kind of what I was sitting here thinking about when you were talking about this. I was like, that is the shift that you've done. Yeah. Again, you're still so busy. You're still doing real estate. I you're planning a wedding. Right. You're working. <laughs> yes. You're applying to grad school. You're doing all these things. Like, there's still a lot going on. Right. But it's all just feeling a little bit more aligned and a little bit yeah. on, on a clearer path, I guess. That's really exciting. I'm yeah. super excited for you. I'm pretty excited. So let's shift gears a little bit. I wanted to take the opportunity to ask you, you're my first guest not 
based in New York. And oh. I think you're the only guest, I'm like racking my brain really quickly, but I think you're the only guest on the docket not from New York. So right. I would, you know, be upset if I missed this opportunity sure. to chat a little bit about life in Chicago. I also, based on, you know, previous episodes, it appears most of my listeners are in New York, but uh-huh. I... You know, I'm sure some of them have considered, you know, I wonder what it's like in Chicago. Would you be willing to share some, like, pros and cons of the Chicago market? Sure. I mean, I, you know, grew up in the Chicago suburbs, so this Mm -hmm. is, like, basically home for me anyway. So I've always loved Chicago. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's easy to live in. Like, I was driving around all day Mm -hmm. in the busiest areas, and it's it's fine to drive around in so I can get everywhere in a car and... I have not found lack of opportunity here right. at all, so I've been very happy to live here. I think the Chicago theater community, I mean, of course, I was never part of the New York theater community, right? so I don't, I, I can't really speak on that, but it's very close-knit in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's It feels very, it's a community. Yeah. It's a family. It that way. Um, once you, you know, are a part of it, it's, it's pretty accepting mm-hmm. of everyone, and I think that's... Part of the reason why I, you know, like, did it for so long. And there's a lot of a lot of cool work going on, a lot of different sizes of work. Yeah. You know, storefront theater is, like, a big thing here, and that's a lot of, is going on. Can you talk to me more about that? I don't know that term. Storefront theater, is yeah. that's a big, um, I don't know if it started in Chicago, but, it's like, that's, like, a big part of the Chicago scene is where they literally, so many of the theater spaces are just converted storefronts. Wow, cool. Um, so it's... I think it's a, a way to, you know, do it on a smaller scale, just mm-hmm. in general. But there's so many of them, like, spread out throughout the city, and they're all doing their own things with their own viewpoints. And, yeah. But it's all... I, I don't want to say it's, like, anti-union like union work, because it's all non-union work. Storefront Theater is all non-union work. Right, right, um, right. But it's, it's very, like, they try to make it a point with... They're like, we're different than that. We, we, we're embracing that we're not this big auditorium theater. Right. We, we're taking advantage of the space we're in to tell stories in a different way. Right. Like, why, why do this story in this space is just as important as, like, any other question. Yeah, that's true. And, it's, and I think a lot of Chicago theater prides itself on being intimate and, and mm-hmm. personal because so much of it is, like, there's 30 seats in the house and, yeah. you know, you're five feet away from the actors right. at all times. There's something very intimate about it. Totally. So it's interesting. There's lots of interesting stuff that's happening. Yeah. The community is really great. So, I mean, for cons, there's right. very little sometimes no pay Mm -hmm. some companies are like oh we don't pay the actors but we ask the audience for donations that's how we pay the actors and that's like split amongst the cast and I've heard mixed things about things I I have I have mixed feelings myself about how I feel about things like that right but you you know there were times where I was doing a lot of you know like back to back to back non-union work in Chicago and it's great if you want to work one of the pros is you can work Pretty nonstop. Yeah. If you want to do the work, there's work to be done. Yeah. Um, the con is you're not going to be making money. Right. You'll probably you, have to. You have... need another job. Yeah. You cannot. There are some big equity houses around the city mm-hmm. and in the city that you could live off of while sure. you're on the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to string them together because there's a really big pool of actors in Chicago. Sure. And not a big pool of equity contracts in Chicago. Right. So it's harder to 
that's like part of the reason why like getting to Chicago I'm like that's not really it may not be an attainable goal to only perform as my living right that yeah. is that is one thing that Chicago was like okay maybe that's I need to, I need to explore other options I need to it seems like the people that are happiest are the people that have a very fulfilling job that gives them the money mm-hmm. that's that has flexibility for them to do the artistic work they want to do yeah that's and which is there's something to be said for that absolutely because even in a market like New York where when you book a show you really are likely to be able to live off of that you know like there's sure. less of that there's still unpaid theater but there's there's less of it and uh-huh. there's just like a, a lot more opportunity for like truly well-paying work but even that's not the same kind of freedom that you were just talking about of if you have a job that pays you what you need to survive then you can do any theater that you want yeah like if you're going for the theater job paying you enough to survive then you're kind of limited to what you're going to be working on because it's only going to be at these certain theaters or these certain shows or the the certain like commercial value right and so in a way i can see for somebody who has maybe a more niche passion within the industry or things Mm -hmm. that they care about like more strongly that aren't produced on a commercial scale right that's valuable to be able to have the freedom to do really what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, like I know people that are costume designers here mm-hmm. that they only have to work on non-union shows and they can work all the time and that's enough for them. Yeah. Like financially and artistically. Right. But yeah. And I think on the flip side of that, it does create kind of an environment where you're almost looked down at for being like, I'm not going to choose that because it doesn't pay enough. Yeah. I get because that. like there's a, because so many actors find enough value in the artistic work that there's like a, oh, don't talk about the money. Yeah. Because it's not like, if you're only choosing shows based on money, you're not really like a gritty Chicago actor. Interesting. Just like a little bit of that. Um, it can work both ways though, right? Exactly. Where it's like, oh, you're doing that? Like, does that even pay? But the other side of that coin is... Yeah. But yeah. that's, it's it seems that the... The community, because it's such a community, it's a family, yeah. it's a it's a group of actors that, you know, that are doing, you know, important artistic work mm-hmm. that they pride themselves That's the value on like, not yeah. caring as much about the financial side. That seems to be, like, the... Yeah, that's interesting. The aim. And there's... And I, I won't say that's good or bad. It's just, like... Right. It's just different. It's just different. And, yeah, I think when there's... There's also a difference when a theater just, like, truly can't pay you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of actors get taken advantage of. And of course, every theater is like, quote unquote, struggling or like could right. could stand to save money here or there. But mm-hmm. like there are times when actors are being taken advantage of and there's times when actors are choosing to just focus on the artistic fulfillment. Like there's a time and a yeah. place for everything. Absolutely. But there have been contracts that I've been offered and it is such a difficult position to be in but there have been contracts I've been offered in New York mm-hmm. where I'm like who can afford this like I remember one was a gig it was like a touring it was like pretty quickly outside of college or after graduating college it was like a touring children like a TYA show mm-hmm. and it actually sounded super fun and I was like super excited to book yeah and then I got the official offer and it was two weeks on tour two weeks in New York two weeks on tour two weeks oh, in I New think York I remember talking to you about it too yeah and it was like how can i do that i can't sub up my apartment because i'm only gone for two weeks at a time so i have to pay my full new york rent i'm making you know non-ec children's theater like touring salary on this so like 
not a ton of money and I'm going to be unemployed every two weeks for this entire process. Uh huh. And I thought to myself, who can do this? I mean, I, I literally cannot do it and afford to live. Yeah, absolutely. In those literal black and white dire high stakes terms. Yes. And that's, I called the casting director myself and told her that. I was like, I'm super interested in this. I think this sounds amazing. I literally can't live and do this. And she was like, you know, I totally get it. And I wanted to be like, so who are you going to call after me? Yeah. You know, like now that I'm turning it down, like who's next on the list? Call me and tell me who the person is that can take this. (laughs) Right. I want to know. Right. It's interesting. It's a, that's such a tough issue. It is. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, yeah, it's hard to, to reconcile the artistic fulfillment but financial need at mm-hmm. the same time. I also, you know, have gotten to a place in my life. I've I've been lucky enough to be working enough, hustling enough yes. um, to <laughs> afford a condo and afford to be able to save up for a wedding in grad school. Like, right. like I have some financial stability, and right now I don't want to sacrifice that. Of course. Because, and why should you? Right. That's the thing, too, this, like, badge wearing of, like, the starving artist. Yes. I think it's, you know, who who really benefits from that, from us taking pride in that? Like, not us. I mean, unless it's, like, really fulfilling you personally. Right. Like, but not, can it I guess not, not the badge wearing. But can it not also fulfill I'm, you art, financially? Yes. Is it not allowed yes. to do both, you know? Yes. I think, I, when I just stop and think, like, truly who's benefiting from that, from that narrative... It's the producers. Like, it, we're not benefiting oh, from that. absolutely. Like, yeah, you're right. And I just think it it just makes me sad that that is such a, such a lie that we tell ourselves. And to the point where we do feel kind of ashamed for being like, I need money. Mm-hmm. Slash, like, I want money. That was kind of one of my tipping points, too, is I'm like, okay, I'm making enough money. I could do these shows. Mm-hmm. But I want a retirement fund. Yeah. I want maybe to own another property in my life. Mm -hmm. I want to maybe start a family after I get married. And honestly, working full-time in the Chicago theater scene, it didn't, doesn't seem viable to do that. To do both of those things. To to work, be working full-time as a performer and still have that financial cushion. Absolutely. And, you know... Quick plug for my husband, the other Colin in my life, <laughs> uh, Colin O'Connor, started a business called The Not-So-Starving Artist, mm-hmm. um, a service of which Colin I Funk has have, taken advantage of. Absolutely. it's He's wonderful. He, he He's great. He's been very helpful in those things that I was just talking about, that I'm wanting, wanting to continue like, financial yeah. success and growth. And that's really where that came from, of him deciding to start that. Like, I'm sure I'm going to have him on the show at some point. We'll talk more <laughs> about it. But, you know, realizing that this industry, this career path is not linear. It's not consistent. No matter how well you're doing, it's not something where even if you're in a long-running Broadway show, shows close every day. You know, you need to start planning now. And we shouldn't feel guilty about prioritizing money. I agree. Yeah, it's and the, it's, there's a, that pressure to to not think about money and to not to not put that as like the pet like oh you shouldn't be like you shouldn't be doing this for the money. Sometimes I I want to take a job for the money, right? And I shouldn't feel bad about that, right? 
And if I shouldn't be doing this for the money, then, like, why did I get a very expensive degree in it? Right. And why am I working so hard to build a career path for me? Like, this is a skill that I have and I've cultivated and I deserve to be paid for it. Absolutely. Just like anything else, yes. you know? You, you could say that to doctors. You shouldn't be in this for the money. You should be in this to save lives. Yeah. In, in fact, but I yeah. also <laughs> would like to be able to live my, to save my own life. Right. It's, no one's saying that doctors shouldn't get paid right. all the things they're getting paid. Right. But they can also be really fulfilled by saving lives. Like, that's okay, too. They can do both of them at both. the same time. And no one questions it. No one does. Right. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's a really interesting and difficult, hairy subject. Because also, right. just as a, like, culturally, we just don't like to talk about money. Yes. It's hard. Right. And Especially our age group. And yep. especially, like, in artistic communities. It's so yeah. hard. You know, looking at doing real estate is mm-hmm. is really has been part of the reason that didn't take off spectacularly immediately is everyone I knew being a, a young person around my age. Right. Especially like I, I had a huge network of people to talk to in the theater community. Yeah. Nobody in the theater community can afford to buy really considers yeah. even purchasing ever in their life. Right. So that's as much as I've I've been like, oh, these are really like all you need to do, it's not that, it's a lot of work to get a home. Yes, for But sure. it's not impossible even when you're living an artistic life. And I think there's a lot of value in homeowning. And, Absolutely. Um, but that's a hard, it's a hard sell when people are like, well, I don't want to think about money. I don't want to talk about money. Right. Money's not the thing that's important to me. Right. And like, that's fine. fine. <laughs> but? But there's more. There's yeah. more to, and, and money can be an okay thing to talk about and appreciate and I mean I applaud you and Pavi for having that conversation and for you know reaching out to to my Colin and like having you know working with him because to be totally honest Colin and I did not talk about money until this was before he had his business until like well into our engagement and I don't really know actually there's like quite a long story about how we like both (laughs) finally started thinking about money but Mm. that shift in focus for us finally we were like we should probably talk about how much money we have and it was weird and it was like hard at first and now it's good and obviously him starting this business and us just getting into like investing and more of these kinds of things it's just naturally led to more conversations about it absolutely but the first conversation was like i had a pit in my stomach and i was like this is weird and it feels wrong yeah but because it's like you're like naked this is like here's all my financial this is everything i have in the world here's all my debts that i didn't know if i wanted to share those but like we should know each other's debts and and we and but like after it's all in the open right it's so much easier it's like then we can have joint financial goals right. at the very least yes we can talk about like what is our plan for financially planning for a wedding right we don't have to like talk about it in vague terms right. we actually have right. plans and know where each other's coming from and right it's great and then we can plan maybe to invest in more properties down the line and yeah have stuff saved up like it's yeah if you don't know where you are so much possible so many more possibilities right just being open with each other mm-hmm knowing where you're at yeah it's tough the first step is the worst totally and it yeah it's important and i think you know i wish we as a society were okay with talking about it more i wish we as artists were okay with talking about it more i think it's why so many artists take whatever they're offered there's so little negotiating that 
actually comes uh-huh. from yep. artists. Like people with agents, maybe their agent will negotiate for them. But right. you know, artists who aren't represented tend to not negotiate for themselves at all and just take right. whatever they're offered. And I think it's a real shame. You know, absolutely. People think it's really. Um, shameful to ask for more or you're you know being icky but what's shameful or icky about knowing your value and and thinking that you're worth it knowing that you're worth it and communicating that to someone with confidence and pride but it's hard it's hard it's hard hey listeners lily here interrupting as i so often do i'm interrupting this time to let you know that i'm sure you're about to notice a serious decline in the quality of our recording The bad news is, while we were recording, the computer we were using decided it was too full to continue saving our amazing conversation. But the good news is, somehow I planned ahead and was also recording our conversation on my cell phone. So the remainder of the recording I have today is from my phone. So I do apologize for the decline in quality, but hopefully you'll still enjoy the rest of our conversation. Something I like to do on the show is ask my guests one success and one failure that they've experienced. Maybe we'll say one failure and one success. Okay, so we it. end on the on, end on Good. The, let's do it. I know. <laughs> from any element or area of your life that you've experienced, but just so we can uh, <laughs> we can learn from the failure and we can celebrate the success. Great. Um, Alternatively, it's hard to see things as failures right now because. Right. Um, I feel really good about where everything has led me. Um, I mean, I suppose a big failure that I um, will take from, especially what we've been talking about, is um, not caring about money for so long. I think that's, like, a big, you know, like, I took it as that badge of honor at first. I took, like, credit card debt as a badge of honor for a while. And that was, like, that I am mad at myself about. Yeah, yeah. Because that's something I, I, I think, like, I wasn't taking care of myself. Yeah. You know, I was I was, I was yeah. giving to everyone else and not, like, investing in myself first. Totally. And, like, thinking of financial planning mm-hmm. and, like, taking care of your finances as a form of self-care. Because sometimes yeah. I think we get into the trap of the opposite idea of facials and yes. massages and expensive things like that as being self-care, which is totally a place for it. Absolutely. But is it not also self-care to be kind to your wallet? Yes. is to be like, oh, today, uh, instead of spending, like, going out to lunch and spending 20 bucks, I'm just going to throw 20 bucks in my savings account. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just as much self-care. And not just to you right now in this moment. But to you and to your, your future self. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is something that I I have failed up to this point is to like really consider those things and really invest in myself. Yeah, but oh man, what a great thing to learn, especially at this time yes. in your life. And yes. I mean, that also feels like a success because now well. we're on the other side of it. But anything else you'd like to share? Successes? Um, well, I am a part of three different Dungeons and Dragons groups and we meet regularly and I have friend groups that get like meet at least once a month like three separate groups that meet once a month in completion and we play games together and it's amazing and I never thought that that was going to happen in my adult life I think you might win my favorite success that anyone has ever (laughs) shared oftentimes when I talk to people about this show so when I talked a little a little backstory 
I talk to guests about being on the show, and I tell them that the first question I'm going to ask them is, so what are you up to? I see the dread, the dreaded question. Yeah, I see obviously. the fear just, like, come over their faces. And I'm like, you guys, literally your so what are you up to question can be... I have been watching Bob Ross on Netflix for days, and I am loving it. Like, yes. how is that not what you're up to? Like, that is a part of your life. And I think that's why this world needs this podcast, because we need... I think I think so, too. Yes. Because and... it was even hard for me to shift my... Because, like, one of the things I'm really excited to talk about with people these days is Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. It's so hard for that to be the first thing, because, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but that is something I'm excited, and that's what I'm up to. Yeah. Like, I... So much that I've, like... I baked a cake that looked like a castle. Um, I need... Do you have a picture of that? Absolutely. I'm posting it on the Instagram oh on the day your episode airs. Uh, Go to... At the dreaded question on Instagram to check out this cake. Um, I... You know, and some here. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. <laughs> like, I've never cake decorated in my life, and I was like, this I'm going to do this. This is the first cake decoration you've ever done? I've done, like, little things, but I've never used, like, fondant and, like... You guys, run to the TDQ Instagram. I, Go look at it. it. It's amazing. But, yes, so Dungeons & Dragons is... It's, what a, another great creative outlet for... I love that. I mean, clearly anything artistic. Yeah, I've that's amazing. I've been able amazing. to spin it into... I mean, it's literally improv and performing in the moment, but also, like, game playing and puzzle yeah. solving and... Cake decorating. Um, <laughs> cake decorating and knitting and... <laughs> character creation I think is like so much fun yeah this truly just is like another example of you already have an artistic lens through which you see the world and like that's not gonna go away no matter what you're doing right and it gives people that don't have the artistic background or don't have an artistic Mm -hmm. outlet a way to do it where it doesn't feel like you're doing it yeah like so much I mean it's so much theater stuff is being used like all the time in it, but it doesn't feel like it. Right. And, it, like, you can play with anyone who has any... Like, you don't have to have any fantasy knowledge. You don't have to have any theater experience. You can come and play and... Right. It's great. It's so much fun. I love that. That's a huge success. Yeah. Colin, thank you so much for being on the show. This mm. has been such a pleasure. Thank you for visiting me in Chicago and having me in a show. It's been a joy, and I'm so glad we got some different perspective for our listeners and I'm just so proud of everything that you've been doing. It's amazing. Thanks. Wow. We covered a lot in that episode. I'm so glad that we got a glimpse into life in Chicago, unpacked finances, hustle versus flow, and the ways that Colin's artistry has led him down paths he never thought he'd consider. Colin is so thoughtful and intentional with everything he says, and I feel so lucky that I was able to have him on the show. I hope that you enjoyed this special on-location edition of The Dreaded Question, and if you ever have any questions or thoughts to share, please don't hesitate to email me at thedreadedquestionpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Lily Torre, and this has been The Dreaded Question.